You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, hey Bob. What's with the shades, man, and the brand new hat? Uh, it's not a brand new hat. I know. That was actually an ironic comment on how shabby it is, Mickey, but... I can get pretty subtle at times. It's sometimes hard to pick up on. I know. You have to watch it four or five times to get your subtle humor. That's how we monetize. Um, uh, This is a hat from Winslow, Arizona, which has become a hipster mecca, I've told. Because of the song? Because of the Eagles lyric? No, I think that despite the Eagles lyric, because there's some art installation nearby. Hmm. Art art is the key to hipster. Anyway, I'm wearing shades because I had that eye operation. That uh, eye operation being what eye operation? Because there's a whole spectrum of eye operations. Did we talk I about it publicly? Did we I share had, it with our I audience? I think we did. I had people wishing me luck on my operation. So It's cataracts? Yeah, it was a, the standard cataract surgery. They took out my old lens and put in a new lens. And uh, I think it'll work. We'll find out on Monday or Tuesday. Do you really have to wear those glasses or are you just trying to look no, cool? No, I have to wear them outside. Oh. But I, I'm, I'm just wearing them for cheap effects. It's a, it's a good look. It could expand our demographic. I'm not I thought sure. It'd make a, me look good. I thought it'd make me look good, sort of like Joe Biden, sort of cool. One but, of the first several names that came to mind, yes. But it doesn't seem to be, so I'll take them off. They're making me look weird. Um, so, uh, so much for that hope. Um, anyway, it's all fine. Well, good. Then I'll quit worrying about you. I was spending a lot of time I knew on you were, I knew you were. Um uh, but you know, I, I do think cataract surgery makes your, gives your eyes like this, uh, kind of glimmer, this glitter from the out, I mean, to the observer. Well, I, I don't see that, but, uh, but what, what, yeah, but what I, what I see is, you know how in your phone, somehow the photographs are more real than real life. In other words, the brights are brighter. And yeah. The, yeah. yeah it, it, it gives you that. Does it? So the, vi- the vision in one eye is like you're looking at a cell phone photograph. So it's like yeah. micro. It's like microdosing. I don't know, but obviously it, it raises profound questions: is is what you're seeing what is your natural eyes anyway? the real world, or is what the, the this weird gaudy psychedelic thing that's your new eye is perceiving? Is that the real world? I ask myself this question: Who the hell all, knows? All the time. What is reality, Mickey? Should we spend the whole hour that's on that? Your job. Do you want to spend job. the whole hour on what is reality? No. You sure? We have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Plus, you have airstrikes in Syria. Oh, I wasn't even going to talk about those, but I'm willing. Oh, no, if you don't want to. No, no, I'm always happy to talk about airstrikes, as you know. Uh, what were you, you know, and you know what I think we don't get enough credit for? Is that we never, we are working without a net. We never discuss in advance what we're going to discuss. Neither of us knows what the other one has in mind, if anything, and often the answer is nothing. But anyway, uh, uh, you know, we, for for guys our age, be working without a net. That is like courage personified. No, but I digress. No. What do you want to we talk have about? All sorts of interesting things. We have Michael Wolf's account of January six. We have Michael Wolf's uh, account. Yes. Wait. Uh, who, remind me who Michael Wolf is. Michael Wolf is that uh, New York journalist who writes uh, sensational books of. Oh, so not, he's uh, he's the you, one who camped out outside the Oval Office during the you, Trump administration. That you cannot that you cannot take to the bank, but they're always entertaining. Um, we have Stephen Breyer. We have J.D. Vance. Wait, is, did Breyer retire? I don't suppose. No, so, huh? no. We have Damn. the new voting rights uh, uh, decision. 
We have, uh, I read that story, that uh, article on space traders by Derek Bell. So we can oh, talk good. about that which if was, you read it. Which was uh, sent to us by uh, a man of the cloth. Right. By a, uh, Yes. Are we allowed to mention his name? Sure. Why not? I don't know if he wants to remain an obscure yeah. man anyway, of the cloth or. A, a respected reader. Let's put it that way. A respected man of the cloth. Is Trump losing his grip? Uh, the uh, the economic numbers, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, climate scams in California. That's enough for an hour, man. Oh, and there's more. There's more. There is? Yeah. Bill Cosby, Donald Rumsfeld did and didn't get a reprieve, respectively. There's a new NCAA story, you know. They're totally different from last week's. And yet, if the same... You don't have- You'll have to fill me in on that one. I'll fill you in on that one. I want to uh, talk about ivermectin. I want to. I I I went down a, like a, a a Brett Weinstein slash uh-oh. ivermectin rabbit hole, uh-oh. and I've come back with news for America. <laughs> okay, what do you want to do first? Your call. Oh man, they're all kind of equally. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm just glad Let's, you didn't, I'm just thankful you didn't mention infrastructure. Oh no, my mistake. I shouldn't have said that. Well, that's uh, always on the table. That's a, yeah. Um, um well, I, I would say let's get Michael Wolf out of the way. Yeah, let's get him out of the way. Okay, uh Michael Wolf um uh you know, he wrote a couple of best-selling books about uh about uh Trump. Uh, and he, he does, you know, he does seem to have this attitude toward the truth, which is, you know, some things are just so entertaining. Do we really care if they're completely accurate too, or too not? Too good to check. The, the Saturday Night Live caricature of him was dead on. You know, it had, I forget which comedian, but it has a, were you not entertained? You know, <laughs> um, I didn't realize he had risen to the level of Saturday Night Live satire. Yes, That's impressive. Yes. Yes. More than, more than either of us have. That's for sure. Um, but the night he, is young. And, he also, in his book, he did get out there the quote attributed to Steve Bannon that Ivanka is, quote, dumb as a brick. And I don't think that helped Bannon's uh, chances of staying in the administration. Right. I believe that's um, his book, and he deserves credit for that. Uh, Whether or not the quote right. is true. Anyway, the, his latest book, the excerpt on January 6th, was in the New York, New York Magazine. And nobody seems to have noticed that it contradicts virtually all the most sensational and substantive complaints about Trump's behavior. Uh, This is, I'm reading from uh, uh, a congressman's uh, suit against Trump. This congressman is now head of the January 6th committee, having already said what he thinks. So he's certainly an impartial judge. Uh, The Trump conspired to incite the assembled crowd to march upon and enter the capital of the United States for the common purpose of disrupting by use of force, intimidation, and threat the approval by Congress of the votes cast in the Electoral College, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, you know, Michael Wolf portrays him as completely out of it. All he cares about is he's being told by Giuliani that Pence is going to cast his vote in his favor. He doesn't, he has no prior contact with, as as far as Wolf shows, with any of these ragged uh, right-wing semi-paramilitary groups. Uh, he, he's, he's I don't think shot. anybody alleged that he did, well, did they? Well, conspired. I think they, yeah, I think people believe that. Yes. I was, I haven't seen it reported. I was at a dinner party with liberals just two days ago where they all said, well, of course he conspired with them. Mm. So of course so, he knows so them. People uh, are, people are was, saying, as they say, he was, he was, 
Well, this does say conspired. That implies a two-way conversation. Wait, what's the what's the language again? Conspired to incite an assembled crowd. Now, maybe he didn't conspire no, with that, the right I, I don't think they meant he's he's meeting I, with. The, I think they did, but anyway, we'll see. Anyway, he he he's shocked by how how he he's surprised. He doesn't understand when they're invading the capital. Uh, he. Uh, he doesn't know quite what to do. He's, Wait, what he's does that even mean? He role. doesn't understand. He doesn't understand what they're doing. Well, he doesn't understand. He expected them. Yeah, he said, yes, he did. He, he's totally out of it. He doesn't, he's, he's, he's surprised. He's like, somebody actually. has to explain to him, like, this yes. is outside the Capitol. This is inside. Now they're Basically, inside. I mean, yes. how, how egregious is his incomprehension? Well, I, I, I can't quote from chapter and verse of the Michael Wolf book, but he, there's not, he seems surprised. By them entering the capital, maybe we'll phrase it. Maybe he wasn't surprised. Maybe we'll phrase it delicately. But well, maybe I'm surprised that they got in. I can't believe he didn't understand the significance of it. These are guys who wanted to stop the process of counting the votes. He doesn't that that specifically. He does not think that that's going to happen. That's not on his radar. He thinks Pence is going to stop the vote. He does not think these guys are going to stop the vote. Well, no, at the and time, he doesn't that, know what to do. At the he time thinks, they're in the Capitol and he tweets that Pence has betrayed him, he knows. No, he knew no, by the time no, that they. Speci- that specifically is not validated by the Michael Wolf account. I understand that it's very damning, but that specifically that he, that he knows when he tweets about Pence that they're in the Capitol and chasing after Pence is totally not validated by this account. You it mean, you mean Wolf it says may, it, uh, it wasn't the case? Wolf says he did not know, or he just doesn't say he did know? The impression you get from the timeline is that, is that he, he, he tweets this thing, and then they have to explain to him what's going on. Uh, and then he tends to spend, and he wastes well, an hour it had trying been to figure out what to do about it. But. He supposedly was watching cable news. It had been broadcast on cable news before he tweeted it, that they were in the Capitol. Not to mention the fact that for quite some time, if you looked out, if you if you followed it on TV, you could see that they were all over the Capitol, and it would be a reasonable surmise uh, that some were in it. But um, but he's not watching it on TV. He's entirely spends entirely all his time on the phone with Giuliani and with various people. I, he's he's constantly on the phone. I would be okay? so he's, shocked if he didn't have a TV on, but. He has a TV on, but he's not necessarily imbibing the information. Well, I'm saying the imagery alone gives you the idea if you're just glancing up every once in a while. Anyway, it, anyway, okay. There's no indication of, of any physical threat okay. to anybody. Okay. He, that he, 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 he says what they were, you know, is a little self-serving. And, and a lot of this is from the self-serving after the fact testimony of aides who are trying to portray themselves as innocent. So you have to discount it. A lot. Okay, but one I thing know. is, one thing can't, cannot be the case. It cannot be the case that when he tweeted that Mike Pence had betrayed him, however he put it, that he didn't know that they were swarming the Capitol building. It's conceivable if he hadn't been, uh, didn't have the volume up or something, uh, that he didn't know for sure they were in the building, but he knew that the building that for all he knew Pence was in, Pence was supposed to be in there, was surrounded by angry looking demonstrators like who were literally at the doors okay he had to know that if he had glanced at a tv within the last half hour and and he tweeted that thing i don't think he had to know that he had to know it was surrounded but he could be surrounded by 
angry, chanting people who weren't going to break in and, and do any violence. Mm. Uh, and he, you know, he, you, you can't tell looking afar at a TV screen if they're at the door or not. We need, we need a commission to find out what he knew, okay? That would be good to have, okay? Unfortunately, we have a commission that seems a complete partisan exercise, but it would have been good to have a neutral commission. Uh, I, I'm not saying that Wolf is, is, is conclusive. He's suspect. It's all self-serving. All I'm saying is it doesn't support any of the most egregious charges against Does Trump. he cast it as slate pitchy? In other words, are you gleaning no. these things from it? Or does, no, he, he, does he, he say? It, he cast it as this is an exciting narrative of what happened. Then Mike Meadows said this. Like a classic example is, you know, when Trump, Trump gives his speech, he says, and I'm going to be there with you. Mm-hmm. And Mike Meadows, the Secret Service goes to Mike Meadows, say, we can't get this guy up to Capitol Hill. And Mike Meadows says, we're not going to do that. And he confronts Trump and Trump has no idea what he's talking about. He never had any intent of going to Capitol Hill. He, he, he meant, I'll be with you in spirit or something. Did did this piece get much traction? I wasn't aware of it. It got like a good day's worth of traction, but nobody made this point that I'm making. Which, which is that it it, it doesn't. It undermines the mainstream narrative. Okay. But no, but let's be put the point you're making as clearly as possible. You're saying Trump did not know that there were, that they were in the Capitol when he did that Mike Pence tweet. You're asserting that I'm asserting that gives the impression in gen- the, in the, 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 the Pence tweet is in a gray area. What it definitely says is he did not intentionally incite the mob to go and get into the Capitol in order to stop the vote. He, he had, he had, he had, he, nor, nor, he didn't even have oh. what I thought, which is oh. I'll set these things in motion and I'll be amused by what happens. He, 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 he you know, he was s- s- half resigned to losing. His only hope was that Pence was going to vote to uh, reject the electors. He did not put any, in any mm. way, think that these protests were going to do that. And he, you know, he at least tells people he thought they were going to be peaceful. There's no indication that he, Wanted them to be violent, or knew they were going to be violent, or even knew who they were, uh, and uh, and uh, you know, and Pence didn't vote, and he was crushed. You know, so uh, that there's that, and nobody no, I, would tell him the truth. I, I nobody mean, I, in his nobody in his circle would dare tell him you've lost. Pence is going to vote against you. Yeah, I, I've never thought he had a specific plan to get them to go inside the Capitol and was hoping to incite them to do that. I mean, as you know, I've always thought that you know the incite part. If, if taken to mean that that's what the speech did, you know, that would not have the incite, the incitement charge would not have held up in a court of law, as I've said. Uh, and I didn't imagine him having that specific a plan, but I certainly think that when they headed to the Capitol and he heartily encouraged them, uh, he was, uh, he, that he was in fact, uh, hoping to see in some sense all hell break loose. He was pissed off. He, I'm sure he was quite happy about their rallying. Is, I can't believe he was not. That- that may be true. That is totally unsupported by Michael Wolf. Now, Michael Wolf may be full of shit. Well, okay? how would we know? But, it's a state of mind question. How would we know? But Michael Wolf says he's resigned. He rushes through the speech. He's not, his heart isn't really in it. Uh, yeah, but the, well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that he's angry and pissed off. He's totally fixated on what Rudy Giuliani has put into his brain about Mike Pence voting one way. Well, it was uh, still it was still an incredibly reckless tweet based on the things he had to be. Look, aware you, of. you, your, 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 your full charge might be borne out. Okay, yeah. 
there may be emails, there may be testimony of other people. You can't rely on Michael Wolf. I'm just saying uh, this is a, this is some evidence of however whatever probative value uh, against the narrative, and nobody seems to be noticing it. Maybe that's did, why it didn't get any traction. Did you watch the New York Times uh, video extended video? Was I didn't. I should. I'd love to, but I didn't have time. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was a little put off by the editorial tone of the narrator. Um, was but, it one of these? Oh, it was like playing to her people who already agreed with her. Or him. It was a he. It was a he with a what? I think maybe an Irish accent or something. But I, uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it it was it, it was uh, departing from the just the facts tone and 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 kind of you know saying this. This was an insurrection or something like that. Anyway, I, I plan to watch it because they've clearly uh, assembled a lot of video from a lot of sources. Yeah. It will be illuminating. And, you know, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, it, it looks like they were organized internally. There weren't, you know, uh, I mean, I got, I got they, they were planning, the video, you know, they, they were planning to break but, through the lines, I think. Well, just because Trump didn't want to have an insurrection doesn't mean they didn't want to yeah, have an insurrection. Yeah. So, um but uh, but uh, I had never imagined he was coordinating with them, and I, I don't think the word conspiracy necessarily implies that. All conspiracy means is that Trump had talked to somebody about it, and I'm not okay, even saying he did. I'm just saying people. I guarantee you, people think Trump was in cahoots with them. Okay, I've never even, I've, I've honestly never even thought about that being okay, the case. Okay, well you're you're I, a I'm, knife. Um, the I also think that pr the Proud Boys at least. They they're they're sort of soccer hooligans in that they're into violence sort of for its own sake. That's their idea of a good time. Mm. So they may not have been insurrectionary as some of the other people, but they may have been. I don't know. But the, the uh, apparently the for just based on the first ten minutes of this video, the first guy to breach the lines and, and to and to provoke a confrontation with a cop that leads to the breaching apparently is a guy who, who right before that, he confers with some famous leader of the Proud Boys, Joe Biggs or something, uh, one of these leader guys. And well, this... uh, and then he goes over, and he basically, he turns his cap around and is like, you want to fight to the cop. And that is apparently the first breach immediate. I don't even know if he's a Proud Boy, but it's it's shortly after conferring with this leader of the Proud Boys. I've seen a video of the first breach, and there's a couple of people who I think are Proud Boys, yeah. and they reach the front of the line, and they start hacking away and punching yeah. the cops. And if you do enough of that, the cops can't resist. Uh, and that's what happened. So well, it didn't take much. Violent. There was only like five cops at this one like major... Cops, yeah, you know, but, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that continues anyway, was, to be, you know, uh, an amazing part of the story, that, the lack that of was, preparation. That was definitely a planned thing. The breach to get totally. through the cop lines was t definitely a planned thing, and it was definitely involved some violence. And as far as I could see, it was Proud Boys from this video I saw. But um, so speaking, uh, that doesn't mean that doesn't say what they wanted to do once they got in. Okay. So speaking of Trump, what about this Trump Organization indictment? Alan uh, Weiselberg. Everybody seems to think it's underwhelming, including Benjamin Witte's of. Legal insurrection. Uh, well, but, but resistance you know, media is is mounting an argument that it uh, it does seem a little underwhelming in terms of magnitude and the nature of the uh, alleged crimes. Um, but resistance media is working overtime to convince you that it is a big deal. I mean, it does seem sure. like it is a clear cut violation of tax law, and I'm sure there are a number of companies that do this kind of thing. 
But, um, you know, I mean, they're actually paying for the guy's main residence, apparently, in, in, in man, you know, his Manhattan residence. They were paying a hundred thousand dollars a year on. That's, you know, that's straightforward. You got to report that as income. Um, you do? Oh, totally. Totally. What if, uh, the only exception is for think- like churches. What if, uh, what if you have two residences? One is your formal residence, and the other is the flagship address of your company. Uh, to, uh, I, I think there is some kind of exception where if you have to work on premises and that isn't where your residence was, or something. I, I don't know. Live near the premises. A good I, question. A good issue would be Steve Bannon's embassy on Capitol Hill, where I, I think he lives, but I'm not sure he lives there full time, and it's definitely the headquarters of Breitbart. So anyway. Well, who knows? I mean, I, I, I doubt but, um, he's averse to I, I a little corner cutting. I, I, I I, I'm not saying, look, I mean, I'm not saying it's even uh, this idea that it's going to hurt Trump, which the Times has been, you know, this is a big blow to Trump. I mean, obviously, it helps his persecution narrative, like so many things. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else it'll lead to. There may be other people indicted. You know, supposedly the prosecutors are hoping that that Weiselberg will flip. Right. Well, that's that's the danger that they'll. they'll I, I think paying for their kids' private education is more indefensible. Yeah. Than, well, there was that paying, and, and paying for a residence, but and the, both, po- the point they, they made could both be violations. And, and there was this one Atlantic piece, part of the resistance onslaught. I mentioned that that did make the good point that, like, okay, if this is what they're doing for Weiselberg, imagine what they're doing. To, to keep Trump himself from paying taxes, right? Imagine the magnitude of, of that. And yeah, I don't doubt there's a lot of that kind of stuff. I, I mean, e- even if Trump got indicted, it, it might well be good for him politically, given, you know, the way that works. I thought, I thought they were going to nail him for the massive scam when he inherited the property from his father. But I guess the statute of limitations has passed on that. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing the Times wrote about yeah. in depth. That 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 seemed. Uh, I, I think that probably has expired. That that was quite egregious. Uh, that that was worse than this. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, anyway, so we've we've been we've been. Uh, what's the word? We've been pulverized um, pulverized into indifference to minor desensitized. Desensitized. We've been desensitized. Desensitized to tax scams. Yes. So, um, speaking of persecution narratives, you wanted to talk to J.D. Vance. You want to hear a little recording? You're like, the, you're like the Segway King today. I'm moving. I'm moving us. I'm moving us. Well, do you have anything right. else to say about the indictment? No, go ahead. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's what you say. I like it. It's what I say. The um. So J.D. Vance was on uh, Tucker Carlson, and just to show you how thoroughly he's mastered the persecution narrative, he's going to need to be a successful Trumpist uh, candidate. I mean, it's not that egregious, but he's definitely got the basic uh, vibe down. So here it goes. So, yeah, I'm going to get attacked by it. I've already been attacked by it, even since the announcement. CNN has gone after me. The establishment Republicans have gone after me. Uh, the, the the leadership, of course, of the other campaigns have gone after me. Even Tim Ryan, the Democrat, has gone after me. It's time to fight back, though. If you're not willing to wade through a little crap to save this country, then you're not willing to stand up on the big stage, and I am. Yeah, because they know you're a, you're an actual threat because you, you really do have their number for real. How have national Republicans, I know that at, at times, I mean, you're a Republican, you're running as a Republican, at times you've been disappointed by the national party. How have they responded? 
Well, I think so far a lot of them are frustrated and they're a little upset with me because I actually say what's true, which is that many of these people don't care about their own voters. They think they're either bigoted or they think they're stupid. They don't understand their job in this country is to protect their own voters, to serve their best interests. Yes. So a lot of establishment Republicans, just like a lot of the mainstream press, a lot of the corporate media, they're against me, they're against me, and they're going to be against me, and that's fine. So uh, I kept it going because I wanted to show that he also gets in the they think you're stupid and bigoted line, which is important. But uh, he's definitely got the all the elites are conspiring against me thing yeah. down. And and so I, I well, see great things for him. In, in my, uh, my line is, is I didn't I hadn't heard that part, but it fits with what I what I what I thought, which is he was terrific. OK, he was I didn't he, see the he, whole thing. And he was he was. Both his speech and his appearance on Tucker have a, a very clear populism. The elites don't care about you. And when you, when you complain about it, they call you racist, basically. And it's a, there's a lot of Bob Shrum in that. It's very, and he even said, I'll fight for you, which is the classic Shrum line. All very Shrummy, uh, in terms of fighting the elites. And, and for some reason, well, I hated that when Shrum did it for Al Gore in 2000. Hmm. Uh, wonder I, like why the, I wonder why the change of heart, well, Mickey. I don't have any explanation. I did vote for, I did vote for Al Gore. Uh, well, the answer is, I went back and read the attacks I wrote on it, and it was, the, first, uh, the Al Gore thing was 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 very weird. It's like he didn't say the elites don't like you. He said, mysterious, their forces are against you. Okay. Who are these forces? Are they forces of nature? Are they people? What the hell's going on? Second, he applied it to various issues like drug costs and social security, where the populist narrative doesn't apply, where it's more the Mike Kinsley narrative, which is the problem is us and the benefits we voted to us. It's not that the elites are screwing us. It's that we have to deal with all this crap we voted for ourselves. Okay. With the, we've met the problem and it is us. Okay. That's the opposite of populism. Uh, so, and now for some reason it clicks. Uh, the issues of trade and immigration are issues where the elites, uh, are cosmopolitan. They have a clear worldview. It is to have trade and immigration. If they're losers, screw them. We'll compensate them, but it's good for the GDP and we know what's best. And the losers are a bunch of racist yahoos. Anyway, that's totally, it totally clicks in a way it didn't click with the drug companies and social security. And it, it, it's a correct perception. And what's more, because it's so shrummy, if he gets the nomination, he's going to get a lot of Democratic votes. Well, we should say so, what he's gunning for is governor of Ohio right now, right? No, so he, Senate, Senator, Senator. Oh, Senator. Okay. But, but so I mean, if, he's, if he he's wins, not, he's not going to be the next president. It, well, you don't know. If he wins, he's on an Obama tight Obama timeline. Hmm. If he wins, if he wins the Senate, okay, he, 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 if he wins the nomination, he will probably win the seat because he'll steal all these Democrats. Mm-hmm. If he wins the seat, he's instantly mentioned as a presidential contender. So it's possible. I would think he'd have to wait a second. Now, but to it's me, possible that he, he, it's possible that this is a springboard to the White House. To, and that's why the left is so scared of him. That's why they feel they have to kill him now. Because they know he's a threat, and he's completely right about that. The left—it's not the left that scared him. It's like liberals. It's like it's the entire establishment. Uh, but I mean, socialists. everybody to the left of center, and half the people to the right of center. 
The uh, Now, to me, he doesn't look like a politician, but you're going to probably tell me that's a feature, not a bug, because he does look like the guy you'd see at the bar after you went hunting or something, right? He, I mean, I think he's lost some weight. When I is, is he, I, is, he looks like he's probably not very tall. How tall is he? Oh, he's tall. He's taller than I am. Is he? Yeah. I've, yes, he's taller well, then, than I am. Then he's, 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 he's set a big dude. To, to get elected in America. Um, uh, I think the beard helps. I thought he looked good. I thought uh, it, I just thought every I was worried he'd fuck it up, and he ha- as far as I can see he hasn't fucked it up. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's done a very good job. Um, you know I guess there was one thing where he went a little overboard. It, it was Tom Cotton who said that Gwen Berry should give her should not represent the U.S. and that was over the top. And there was one thing where he w- he went he, he he went a little cheap populist in that direction, but. It wasn't anything as, as bad as Gwen Berry shouldn't be on the Olympic team. Not um, that I don't love Tom Cotton, but I thought that was a step too Who far. doesn't, Mickey? Who doesn't? You don't. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, but, speaking um, of which, speaking of which, what's the name of that? Uh, I guess he's in the house. The guy whose siblings did this ad against him, and he was one of the objectors in the... Paul oh, Gosar. Gosar. I mean, he's a an extremely strange looking and acting guy, right? It's not just me. I mean, it's like you just hear him talk. Congressmen are allowed to be strange looking. We had no, Henry he's, Waxman. He's we, had Henry Wax, we had Henry Waxman as our congressman. I mean, oh, that Henry guy was, Waxman is nothing. This guy definitely looks like he needs several kinds of therapy. I mean, Henry Waxman was as wide as he was tall. No, no, no. I don't mean Gozar physically. I mean his affect, the way he talks. There's just something oh, off okay. about the guy. And oh, I and I, I feel noticed. I haven't noticed. I feel there's a little of that with Cotton, but a lot of it with Gosar. Anyway, Cotton, Cotton there's something geeky about him. He's he's a little Gomer Piley or something. Oh uh, God, but, no! Um, he wishes. Uh, but, um, I'd, vo- I'd vote for uh, Jim Neighbors in he, a heartbeat. Where? What happened to there, Jim Neighbors? I, that's the America I want. I think he married Rock Hudson and died. Was Jim Neighbors gay? I think so. I may be libeling him. Sh- Shazam. Um, anyway, so, um, but, uh, the, uh, it, it, it's weird. He chose this song to kick off, which is this, this, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp song called Pink Houses, which had this line that I almost use as the, as the, whatever it is, the introduction quote of my book, even though I hate John Cougar Mellencamp, but it's, it's the line is, uh, and there's winners and there's losers but it ain't no big deal. Okay, that's sort of the theme of my book. Because he used this, I went back and looked and realized I was misquoting the song. He says, there's winners and there's losers, but they ain't no big deal, which makes the rest of the verse make sense because because they're going to take pills and die. It's sort of a, it's sort of a very J.D. Vance-like thing. Okay? So it's I, I, I was saved from hideous error. Uh, but um, You know what you weren't saved for? This is only dawning on me now. I don't want to interrupt. You can continue. But I only realized now, this moment, that about 45 seconds ago, you said something is going to get you canceled, which is that it would be libelous to say that someone was gay if they if they aren't. Shouldn't that get you no. canceled? No, it's. I think it's it, – you could be – that's an interesting question. Can you be I, – I, I vote. I vote for cancellation. Let's let's let the people decide. Now proceed with what you were talking I, about. I, th- I, I don't know. I – I suspect you can show that it would hurt your earnings in this particular community that you're in. 
you know, so sometimes it could be libelous to say somebody's straight and not gay if they're if they're like a gay icon and that's how they make it's their true living. That Jim Neighbors's constituency probably would not have welcomed the news, but that was a different era. Yeah. I um, think I'm pretty safe on that one, but who well, knows? we'll see. <laughs> Tune in next week, folks. I'll definitely be talking to somebody. Uh, the um, I'm at, sitting at the heart of the entertainment complex here, Bob. Um, anyway, uh, so I, I thought this was a, a, a great launch, and I'm on the Vance the Vance wagon. Um, speaking of great launches. Uh, a lot of NCAA athletes are, are launching their commercial careers. I I haven't followed what's been going on well, there. See, so please this is, tell me. Last week we talked about a Supreme Court ruling that will let colleges pl- pay athletes some money, not a ton, to help them get by. Right. What's happening this week is that in response to the passage in a number of states of laws that say so-called amateur athletes should be allowed to make money off of their name and likeness and brand, the NCAA is now permitting that. Okay. So you can have be a college athlete and have, you know, Nike sneakers named after you um, or anything else. And just to give you a sense for the range of uh, possibilities, here's a line uh, from a, a piece today. Uh Iowa basketball player Jordan Bohannon plans to celebrate his newfound independence with a paid appearance at an Iowa City fireworks shop this weekend. Bohannon also plans to partner with a local cryotherapy company, not cryogenics, cryotherapy company, monetize his podcast. See, they weren't allowed to even do that, but we do. Uh, whereas their, their dorm room mate might be able to, they couldn't if they were athletes, uh, and start selling, uh, personal merchandise through an online storefront. So a lot of people are going to become influencers, uh, monetize their social media accounts. Some will become, you know, some companies are planning to string together a network of local athletes to advertise their products in the respective localities. Um, but here's the thing that I think is, people have not yet anticipated as far as I know that I think is going to happen and will have interesting effects, including maybe leading to a whole bunch of athletes getting paid at least something. You know, the way corruption used to work when it was illegal to give any kind of material benefit to these athletes is the coach who was recruiting a star quarterback would say, you know, I'd like you to meet the, uh, the, the guy who owns all the Chevy dealerships. He's a big, right. he's a big booster. And the, and the guy would have lunch with the kid and say, you know, if you wanted to use a Corvette occasionally, in fact, you know, it'd be easier. Just, we'll just give you the keys in the Corvette. And when you don't want to use it, you can just, and they would also have these local business people giving them money under the table. And right. I think now what you're going to have is a lot of the uh, the local business person will say uh to the recruit you know you know not a star recruit just a recruit that that they know a few other schools want and he could pan out and they'll say well you know just to reserve the right to use your your you know if we want to use you in an ad how about I just say we'll give you ten thousand a year you know not you know or five thousand or a thousand is that legal under the rules i I think it has to be. They're, they are allowing, or if they need, if they have to go through the motions of running one ad on the internet where the, where the athlete says, you know, buy these yeah. hot dogs, yeah. they can do it. The, 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 I don't see any way 
they prevent this. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. It, it, it leads to what is, in effect, a very efficient market that could become so efficient that, uh, well, it, I don't know, but but couple, it's you know, yeah. Couple, of, but we just started to figure out the ramifications of this. Obviously, there are a lot of sports writers who are way ahead of us, but uh, you know, um, if we're worried that too many kids growing up in, uh, you know, in minority communities, let's call them the ghetto, uh, if there are that many ghetto areas anymore, are, are think that, that basketball is going to be their ticket out, okay? They're now more rational to think that right. because they don't have to be Michael Jordan. They can just be, you know, some some guy who starts on the varsity team of their local college, mm-hmm. and they can make a living, and it's a better living probably than they'll make, you know, going to work at a low-wage job. Right. And, it just, and, and, and the question is, will they will – they, abandon the academic ladder, which would get them a, a sort of more stable career uh, for this illusory sort of temporary athletic stardom. And will it be temporary? Well, maybe maybe just being on the varsity team, they can parlay that into 10 more years of endorsements, right? I don't think many of them can do. I think a lot of those, well, I don't think, I don't think many will do that. But I do think you're pointing to a reason to try to be strict in enforcing the academic part of the deal and not let these athletic programs get by steering these athletes to classes with, with some professor who loves the football team and is willing to look the other way while they cheat. And, and in other words, um, I mean, another way to put it is like, this isn't enough to, to, to pull them forever out of, uh, uh, their low income status, but it, it's, it's a little bit. And if it is combined with kind of learning some skills that are vocationally valuable in the long run, it could make the difference. And, and I, you know, I think half of the scandal of athletics is the way they let them, uh, they let them just not, not learn anything at all in college and not be students in any meaningful sense. Um, well, I would be for that, but you know, a bunch of people will just say fuck college and go right to the pros, but those are only the stars that will be able to do that. So that, that reminds me, right. I was talking about that, the one and done phenomenon, like they go play basketball, in Kentucky as a freshman, and then they're, they go to the NBA. I, I think, well, I just realized after we talked last week, that is a reason. The fact that that has not alienated like Kentucky basketball fans, so far as I know, is a reason to think that the NCAA's claim that nobody will want to watch college sports once these people are making money is probably wrong. I, I think a level of cynicism is already pretty high, and, and the fans Co- seem Kobe Bryant didn't even do that. I think he didn't. Uh, he went straight it. to the pros. I think he went straight to the pros. Yeah, he may have spent some time in the Italian leagues, but he didn't go to college. He didn't do the college sports thing. Well, same with LeBron James. I think. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Um, well. Uh, yeah, so, so it, it's hard to believe that any good will come of this, but maybe some will. So you want to hear about Ivermectin? Yes. So Brett Weinstein, got, Brett Weinstein got demonetized from YouTube. I don't know. The, 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 the videos are still up. Um, and in general, I don't even know if the complaint was what he was saying in favor of Ivermectin, this, this uh, possible treatment and possible preventative for COVID. Um, or it was the doubts he was raising about the vaccine, probably the latter. Uh, certainly YouTube is not suppressing discussion of ivermectin so far as I can tell. There's a lot of it out there. A lot of ivermectin boosters are on, are on YouTube and they haven't actually taken down his, uh, Brett's videos, but I think he's quit posting to YouTube, uh, 
to punish them. I thought the specific video that they seemed to react to was all about ivermectin. Well, let me Maybe tell you one thing that I learned that was wrong. I mean, first, let me say there's something interesting here. There's a, there's a real interesting uh, prospect. Well, let me step a step back and say, you know, uh, last week we talked in the parrot room about the question of whether the Weinstein brothers are both cranks, Brett and Eric. I've learned more about the Eric side of that. And, 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 and I want to talk more about that in this week's parrot room. Um, uh, after this show, but, um, as for the, as for the Brett and Ivermectin Ivermectin part of the story, um, I, I, I really, I, I've looked into this and I think there is a fair amount of evidence that it's an effective treatment. And, and, and remember the case for Ivermectin is it's been used, first of all, it's cheap, it's generic. It's been used for decades as an antiparasitic, so we know it's basically safe. So there's no huge risk in trying it. Right. And, and I it's, guess maybe the bottom line of uh, the way I feel after looking at the evidence is if, say, I hadn't been vaccinated and somebody in my family got COVID, would I take it? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's no real risk. And there is uh not a non-trivial amount of evidence that, that it's effective. Now there was one major piece of misinformation put out on Brett Weinstein's podcast that I that I caught up with. I didn't even know if he's aware of it yet. But um so basically there have been no gold standard studies of ivermectin, right? Like like right. expensive, randomized right. double one. And one thing Brett says, which is right, is you know, of course there haven't. It, it's out of patents. So there's no big company that's willing to fund the research. And that's right. a problem. That's a problem that we don't take a good look at cheap drugs because nobody's willing to pay for the big right. studies. There have been a lot of little studies um, with various – of various kinds. Some are randomized. Some aren't. Some are this. Some are that. And there is a, a methodology for – handling that when you have a situation where collectively they have a lot of numbers like collectively we're talking about 4000 people if you add up all of these studies the te- the the method the technique is called meta analysis um and what seems to me the largest meta analysis and sounds credible uh although these are these are ivermectin boosters i think who did it but uh it finds clear benefits and the other thing i'd say is if you look at the two um, meta-analyses that didn't find clear benefits, even they, first of all, they deal with a smaller number of studies, and even they, I'm talking therapeutic benefits now, not, I'm leaving aside for now the question of prevention, you know, uh, but the therapeutic benefits, um, even the, even the meta-analyses that don't, uh, say there's a, the, you know, don't wind up supporting, uh, Ivermectin, if you look at the constituent studies, all the studies that show a difference in death rate between Ivermectin and the people who, the people who got it and people who didn't, uh, show that fewer people died with Ivermectin. It's just that, uh, uh, you know, in all, all the constituent studies, I think, of these smaller meta-analyses, either there's no difference or there's a difference favoring Ivermectin. It's just that they conclude that there's not enough statistical power. What's the misinformation? Okay, the misinformation has to do with the prevention question. And again, there have been some small studies, uh, and there's been at least one meta-analysis. Again, 
well, uh, that, that suggested it does have uh, preventive effects. And then there's also more complicated data about looking at countries where some cities or regions gave ivermectin to people and some didn't and comparing those like India, Peru. But the, the, the egregious error on Brett's uh, podcast was that one of the authors of the, of, of the meta-analysis uh, that had to do with the preventive aspect um, that does support ivermectin came on and he said, yeah, there have been these trials and um, and my favorite is this one in Argentina where granted it wasn't randomized. They, uh, they just ask healthcare workers in some realm, do you want to try it or not? 800 said yes. 400 said no. Uh, and in his telling, uh, the, 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 the non-ivermectin, uh, crowd, 59% of them got COVID. The ivermectin crowd, none of them did. Okay, now that part is true. But A, it wasn't randomized, so you can imagine there being, you know, the people who said no tending to be lower income, right. living in areas, blah, blah, blah. But leave that aside. The thing he doesn't mention, and, th- and this is like the leading advocate so far as I know of ivermectin, the thing he doesn't mention is in this study, they actually gave people two things. The, the, the people who got ivermectin uh, got a second drug thought to have antiviral properties when it's a nasal spray, and they got that five times a day. Okay, so they took ivermectin once a week, and they took this thing five times a day. So you can't confidently attribute the results to either of these alone, A, and B, Brett's whole shtick is, uh, you know, because again, he has doubts about the vaccine is that this should be the big preventative. Get, 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 get people to take ivermectin once a week instead of taking a shot once a year. Well, maybe you can do that, but the, uh, you're not going to be able to get them to take five <laughs> nasal spray five times a day for a year. That's just not going to happen with many people. Now there, there are, there is other evidence. Fine. But I, I just find it a little alarming that a hey, Brett didn't know to correct this guy and he's his big ivermectin booster and this guy. Well- Who's done this meta-analysis? I, I don't think he was being consciously dishonest, yeah. but had he not noticed that that this study it, was not a study of ivermectin alone? It's weird. His his yeah. name is uh, may, Pierre Corey. He may have some comeback to that, but uh, he, I t- I've looked he, at the study. He, well, here's my problem with it, which is uh, even there's no way that the success that the effect of ivermectin even approaches the effect of the vaccine is there i mean isn't it like a well, order well, first of, of all difference first of and all so, one one reason to be skeptical of this study is that if this study is right yes it, right, no, none of right. the vaccines would perform right. that well but right. th- but it doesn't perform that well in the other uh in the other small studies and i don't i don't know what the comparison is um Brett is sold. You know, Brett hasn't gotten vaccinated. He's only he yeah. takes ivermectin once a week. I I do think you know, like I have these joint pains that are not important. Okay, but I've you know since I've talked about them, people have emailed people who who, who watch our podcast or listen to it and said, you know, I have those joint pains too. I don't care about them either. But you tell them to pro vaccine people, and they say, oh, that's just ideological. You can't. You're just making shit up to, to, no, I'm not. I'm just reporting the facts. The facts are that I have these joint pains. And so there, they, whatever, whatever the side effects of the vaccines are, there's, there is tremendous social pressure to not reporting it. I don't think they add up to, 
the vaccines being a bad idea. I think the vaccines are a great thing, but, uh, but, but, you know, yeah. in Brett's favor, I do think, I do think there's a, there's a opprobrium attached to anybody who pisses on the vaccine. Oh, I think that's, I think he's right that mixed up. I mean, I want to talk about, maybe we can just say this for the parent room, but, but whether he's too conspiratorial in the way he thinks about, about this, but, um, but I do think he's right that, uh, part of the problem is, is the, the, the tribal politics. Now, what's interesting is the way, if, if it's shown that it really is an effective prevention, and there is some evidence, and I think it's entirely possible, you could harness the tribal dynamics of American politics to do a great thing. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, it is, ivermectin is becoming known in effect as the Trumpist alternative to a vaccine. So, right. and, and, and a lot of these people who would like that are exactly the people who haven't gotten vaccinated. So if, if, if they started taking ivermectin once a week and it did work, you know, you'd probably presto have herd immunity in America. So in a way, maybe we, you know, the, the good thing to do for the country is to continue to shower disdain on Brett Weinstein so that this drug can be firmly identified. Well, is it effective enough to <laughs> you know? do that? Is it effective enough to do that? If it just improves your chances 8%, it's not going to give us herd immunity. If it improves at 80%, it is, right? So it's, it's you know, I, 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 I haven't looked closely enough at a, uh, at the meta-analysis there is of those studies, and I, I just haven't looked as closely at that as I have at the data for, for it as a therapy, so I can't say. I always thought they should do that with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or some other vaccine and say Fauci should denounce it, and and then all the Trumpists would take it. Well, it's and funny, have Bannon, was, I noticed Bannon was touting the Johnson, the J&J vaccine some weeks ago as if it was like... Not not the vaccine of the cosmopolitan elite or something. Uh, well, that's good. Although Andrew Sullivan has just supplemented his Johnson & Johnson vaccine, I believe. With something else? With Pfizer, I think, yes. Um, also, by the way, quickly, there's now evidence that the reason they were getting some blood clotting with some of the vaccinated is it may be that uh, some some people were mistakenly injecting it directly into a vein instead of the muscle tissue. Hmm. The um, there's a minor Steve Bannon sidelight. What's that? Well, you know this uh, this new uh, social app that uh, Trump has started called Getter. I don't know why it's called Getter. I it's, saw a reference it, to it. Financed by the same Chinese guy who finances Bannon. Oh, is it Miles yeah, Guo? He's, he's breaking into the big time. And I thought we should start our own social app. I haven't figured out a good name for it. The best name I came up with is Kvetcher, K-V-E-T-C-H-R. Uh -huh. So we can just, for people who just want to nag at each other. Mm -hmm. You could call it Nagger. Eh. Or, or, uh, but Kvetcher is pretty good. Um, uh, I'd go with so Kvetcher. I think there's millions of dollars in that. Yeah. Just, just in the Jewish subcategory alone. Well, that's our, that's totally our, that's our heartland. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, <laughs> so anyway. That's my Bannon sidelight. Um, what else? Kamala? Uh, well, there's Kamala. I ca Kamala, I, you know, I, I, I sort of think, uh, it's all this thing about how, I mean, she was a terrible candidate. She has a terrible, had a terrible staff. She had a terrible staff when she, 
you know, so much so that they had to replace it when she became vice president. But, she, you know, she has 38 people working for her, okay? Plus six for her husband. Plus she has a whole separate staff over in the over in the Senate for, when she, for her senatorial duties. Obviously, those people are going to be unhappy. They have nothing to do. They, you know, they're going to, you know, she's going to talk with one person, get her message, and the, and the seven messaging people under her are going to say, I didn't get my input on her message. My, you know, my ideas were rejected. Yeah, because your ideas are totally unnecessary. She doesn't want your ideas. Uh, this is a sinecure. So it's a little unfair to tag her with the distress on her completely wildly overpopulated staff. Now, we should say, I assume you're alluding to this Politico piece that said it's an unhealthy working environment, her office working for her? Correct. Okay, let me and- let me read. Here's, here's the, the kind of lead. Harris's team is experiencing low morale, porous lines of communication. I guess so. If you're writing this story, there's some porousness in the lines of communication. <laughs> and diminished trust among aides and senior ofi- officials. Much of the frustration internally is directed at Tina Flournoy, Harris's chief of staff. Uh, so the, the knives are out, apparently, for Tina Flournoy. Well, but this is, I mean, you know, it's unfair to Harris, but it's ultimately, it's, 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 it's a story that she would want to put out because she obviously fucked up on her trip to Central America in that, at least in that interview with Lester Holt. And, uh, and that's her fault because, because she's foolish in that respect. And so if she can blame it on her chief of staff and knife her chief of staff, that that helps excuse her bad performance. Well, that there's there is a quote. This is attributed to another person with direct knowledge of how Harris's office is run. The quote is people are thrown under the bus from the very top. There are short fuses and it's an abusive environment. Now, yeah, go ahead. It's, you know, uh, Michelle Obama's staff was known to be fraught, too. Uh, a high-tension workplace, not a fun time. But because Michelle Obama didn't screw up the way Kamala has screwed up and was only the first lady and not the vice president, there, there you didn't see this sort of political story about her. So um, there, there is a, a, a complaint out there that these stories tend to get written about women more than men, even if men's uh, workplaces are just as bad. So there was a piece about Kristen Cinema today or yesterday or something. Same it's, thing, right? I think that's true. I mean, I can't think of an exception to that. I mean, uh, are there? Are, I'm sure there's been stories about how male uh, Panetta was one of them. You know, male Congress people have toxic workplaces, or they at least they yell. But when a man yells, somehow that's just sort of, he's yeah, he's yelling at me and, and we'll forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh, I think that that charge is probably right. But basically, Kamala is not up to the job. She was a terrible candidate. She had a terrible staff. She she got assigned this thing on the border and her staff said, we can't, we can't actually tackle this issue. We have to pretend it's only about root causes. Terrible reaction. And she should have actually tackled the issue. Uh, maybe they didn't want her to tackle issue, but her response was very self-interested and and uh, not not what you'd want you know, the vice president to do. When Biden was given a terrible task by Obama, you know, of monitoring the 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 spend the stimulus spending, he actually did it. He actually he actually said, "Okay, I got to monitor the stimulus spending," and apparently actually did the job. That's not what Kamala did. So um, there was a uh, time. It, 
ultimately it's her problem. There's a Times op-ed complaining about this, about all the bad assignments she's gotten, uh, suggesting, I think, that it's sabotage. And uh, Ezra Klein weighed in and said, yes, they, Biden, she's, she, he tweeted, I think, that, look, she's probably going to be the presidential candidate, so the White House should get behind her and make the make her the best darn presidential candidate she can be. I am not ready to throw in the towel. I do not want her to be the presidential candidate. She's not. I, I would I would be willing to bet money that if Biden doesn't run, Kamala is not the presidential candidate. And why is that? Because usually she's vice terrible. She's terrible. It's a huge opportunity for somebody who wants to advance themselves by taking the risk of running against her. And you'd probably win. Yeah, but the so. problem is we may not know that Biden's not running uh, until not long, you know, before the the yeah. primaries. If you're Jill Biden, I guess if you're Jill Biden and you hate Kamala, you get the word you have, out. You have to you have to time it very carefully to uh, do the maximum good for Joe while you do the maximum damage to Kamala, and it's not clear if that's possible. But doing it at the last minute might not be the might not be the ideal timing. Why? Why is it in Biden's to do the last minute? Isn't if he doesn't run, isn't the ideal well, thing to be to to statesmanlike declare? A year ahead of time that uh, I am not running. I've done my job. The economy's in good shape. Let's hope it is. Uh, you know, I've passed these various bills and now I'm going to resign into my <laughs> but wait, celebrated Nikki, retirement. You're imagining this, this strategist Retire. who's totally in control of his faculties and the whole premise of the idea that he, that he won't run is that he's not, you know, his faculties are but a declining Jill, power. But Jill and the people around him are in control of their faculties. So. They would well, okay. His, his in principle, but but still, they may have the difficult job of breaking the news to him and convincing him, right? I mean, that could that there's not a roadmap for this. I mean, this doesn't happen it's often. Possible. And it's or, possible, and it may be people think they have to con, uh, convince Jill but, first. I mean, she's not going to love the idea probably that he that he can't do two terms, but you can man, tell I, I destroyed this guy's career 20 years ago at the fact that he somehow overcame my attack and became president for one term, that's pretty successful, if you ask me. Well, then don't, then quit attacking Kamala. Um, how, remind us of, of your attack on Biden. Oh, you know that. I, I was I a part that. of the team at Newsweek that when he lied about his resume oh, yeah. and said, I was first in my class at law school, I have a higher yeah. IQ than you do, buddy. I won this contest. I won that contest. We revealed that it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he had to drop out of the race after that. But it was like the fight. It was like the last straw. He already was, he already was on the verge of dropping out because of his Neil Kinnock uh, plagiarism, which Newsweek. That wasn't Newsweek story. That was somebody else's. So I got to say, the more I think about the, the more I think about the infrastructure thing, the more I think his blunder. You know, coming out and saying I won't sign this one bill unless we get both was. It's just not a, not a good sign. I, I don't think he. And, and where is the TikTok that tells us why he made that blunder? I mean, the New York Times had a, a piece that had did not get the story, and basically said it was an errant comment. Didn't look like an errant comment to me. It looked like something he intended to say because somebody had gotten to him, probably Pelosi, but we don't know. I'd like to know. Somebody got to him and said, "No, you, this is terrible. The progressives are upset. You have to say you'll veto it if it's the only thing." And somehow nobody stopped him and. Uh, you know, either poor staff work or he overruled the staff or something. Uh, and he went and said this and then he realized it was a terrible idea and he, and he backtracked. Uh, but why did that happen? That would tell us most of what we need to know about how the Biden White House works. I don't think it's because well, he was, you know. 
Well, I worry. Remember, he's always had a habit of opening his mouth without thinking enough first. And, and he didn't used to be this bad, but this is my concern is that now he's just a little worse. And it's I think it shows bad. that they're flying by the seat of their pants more than we thought. I mean, this is Trump would do this every day. Okay. Cause he's sure, totally, of course. Yeah. Yeah. He'd yeah. say something, then he'd walk it back. I mean, he, 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 he you know, the fact that Biden does it once and in particularly important, uh, circumstance suggests that he's a li- his operation is a little more Trumpy in the seat of the pants quality than we thought it was. So uh, I want to know that. But I don't think it shows that he's out of it. Um, We've been taping an hour. Do you have... Uh... God, we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. We have... Well, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rich and rewarding parrot room. Mickey. We have, uh, we have um, space... Space Traders, Derek Bell's famed pioneering critical legal theory text. We have, have, uh, or or no, critical race theory, right? We have is Gwen Berry right about the Star Spangled Banner? And who is Gwen Berry? That too. That too. We can the hammer thrower who was visibly distressed when they played the Star Spangled Banner when she finished the hammer throw, and now they're 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 all sorts of attacks on her. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's the new, she's the new, uh, Colin Kaepernick, basically. Um, I'm, I'm old enough to remember a time when, uh, America was greater and, and athletes staged their, their protests like that with more order. Remember the 1968 Olympics, Lee Carlos? Uh, that was also, that was after they'd won. That's, that was after they'd won. You know, you get, you she cut your little slack after you've ro- won. But in general, I think athletes should say what they want. I, By the way, know. an American sprinter may be she. I think she's suspended for a month. May miss the Olympics. May not. I don't know. But for testing positive for marijuana, I mean, yeah. come on. Anyway, the we, get, we these are all we've half discussed this now, and we we should be able to talk about it in the paragraph, Bob. Uh, we still have the Star Spangled Banner to go. Um, well, I've got I've got lots to talk about in the paragraph. Donald Rumsfeld. Yep, Donald Rumsfeld. There's a little Hunter. There's a little bit of Hunter Biden. There's a lot. Of, there's always there's always enough Hunter Biden. For there's the some exciting uh, child tax credit developments. I'm sure you want them. They're total paradigm material. We uh, know that's why people go to the paradigm. Wait, you said tax uh, credit? I may forget to write that down. <laughs> um, Don't now, worry, I have it written down. Last week we promised to talk about Nicole Hannah Jones and then forgot. And there's been a development in that story, of course. Yeah, and. She got I have, a, I have a snide obnoxious thing to say about Thomas Chatterton Williams. Thomas Chatterton Williams. Um, Who everybody loves. So there now you go. I, I want to talk, like I said, I have more evidence pertaining to the question of whether Eric Weinstein is a crank. A little more to say about the Brett side of the equation and, and and i mean i'm telling you i went i really went down the uh the brett rabbit hole so i can answer any questions you may have about brett um the uh he has, doesn't he have some views on evolution you disapprove of that i i i haven't yet reviewed the the video on that i don't yet have a th- that is related to the is brett a crank question uh, in its I fullest thought, form. I and that will Eric have to wait was, until next week. I thought you said Eric was a crank. No, my grand unified theory last week was that maybe they're both cranks. They, they both have, they both are advocating these theories, these grand theories. Eric's is especially grand 
and complain that no one appreciates their their work well, in these be. respective fields of, of physics and, and it's biology. It's a career, Bob. The the family that cranks together banks together. Well, they're they're banking together. Um, there you go. I mean, they're both doing okay, I think, on the on the bank front. Um. So wait, Bill Cosby, we could talk about. Did I say that? Uh, no. But now you have. Uh, we do talk about it. Uh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that uh, Con Carroll, who I respect a lot, wrote a piece about monogamy versus polygamy, and I think he got some. He said some things that you would object to, evolutionary well, he, theory wise. He's he's read my F Psych book, I think, so he will be reprimanded if that's the case. Do you, I think he may need a ruler across the wrists, but you you tell me. Is it an area that I'm not? You, the expert. You will ask me this in the parrot room. Yeah, why not? Sure. Um, if we remember, I know oh. you're going to try to suppress the discussion of the child tax credit and I will prevent you from doing that. You mentioned the airstrikes. I could, I mean, if we have time, I'll, I'll complain. I'll do my ritual complaint about David Sanger's, uh, reporting. But your basic point is what, what the hell are we doing in Syria to have to defend ourselves, right? You're correct, sir. Uh, let me actually, maybe I can pull up this, this, just, just get rid of this part now, this David Sanger, uh, if I can find this quickly. Um, we, we're supposedly, we're straddling, the only response I saw said we're there because we're straddling some road that Iran uses to fund, uh, the Hezbollah. Was that our fight? Um, well, as you know, uh, I think Israel approves of, of uh, blocking that particular passage. Right. And maybe so maybe we're getting some leverage with Israel by blocking the passage. I mean, Israel can block the passage itself, can it? Well, you know, uh, stopping uh, Israel from doing something I mean, more you know, the more power, the better. I think I think, uh, you know, they just like the idea of us being there in case in case things get ugly. Um Damn, where is this? Uh... Anyway, if you want to keep talking, you can while I look for this thing. But I may not. Uh, I may not what, be able to find it. Uh, There's David uh, Sanger. Oh, uh... I can tell my Rumsfeld anecdote. Oh, that sounds like parrot room material. Is it? Uh... No, yeah, it's not that good. So. Okay, so here it is. Just this David Sanger lead. I'm sorry. He he. This is his like news analysis of the thing. And this is classic Sanger because the way he's skewing your perspective is really subtle uh, and effective. He says, President Biden's decision to strike Iranian-backed militias in Iraq and Syria early on Monday illustrated the delicate balancing act of his approach to Tehran, colon. Here's the key sentence. David Sanger says that here is here is the, the delicate balancing act, colon. He must demonstrate that he's willing to use force to defend American interests while keeping open a fragile diplomatic line of communication as the two countries try to resuscitate the 2015 deal limiting Iran's nuclear program. Now, let's focus on this. He must demonstrate that he is willing to use force to defend American interests. I mean, first of all, it's classic saying for him to tell us what Obama must do. Now, in this case, ostensibly, it's hard to argue with him because he says, Biden must demonstrate that he is willing to use force to defend American interests. Well, every president does have to convince the American yeah. people that he's willing to use force to defend American interests. But the assumption built in here is that defending these troops who are in Iraq 
is defending American interests. And yet the only reason we have to defend them is because they're there, right? I mean, so, so he's, he's implicitly saying it is in America's interest to have American troops in Iraq. We're, but And yet he doesn't have to address the argument because he doesn't say it out loud. And we just kind of take his word for it that, oh, yeah, well, Biden has to uh, he has to he has to defend these troops. Come up. No, actually, we could just withdraw them. Why the hell are they there in the don't, first place? It, don't you think your point of view is now uh, has a much wider purchase in the American population than it did before? Half the Republicans agree with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and um uh you have the uh, and uh, and the Democrats should agree with you. You know, if they realize that Trump wasn't on the scene, uh, they uh, they will will agree with you at some point. Now, the foreign uh, policy uh, conversation is shifting somewhat. The so-called restrainers are growing in. Uh, that's become the term for the the di- somewhat ideologically diverse coalition of people who really want us to uh, do a lot well, less. We're pulling out of Afghanistan. So if we're pulling out of Afghanistan, why the hell are we in Syria? I mean, yeah, Syria is a particularly that- good question. Um, by the way, just to show you how horrible this uh, David Sanger piece was, uh, there's a very good uh, foreign policy analyst named Daniel Larison, who used to work at the American Conservative, has a newsletter called Unomia, E-U-N-O-M-I-A, on Substack. And he did a whole piece about how terrible this David Sanger piece was and didn't even mention what I mentioned. I mean, it's so bad. Okay, I'm, I'm continuing to be fascinated by your ties to the right wing, Bob. You have, you well, have no, Jared Beatty, uh, you have Daniel Hanania, is that how you pronounce his name? Hanania. And Annie, you have Larison. I mean, you're better connected to the right than I am. Well, I'm not yeah, particularly. I, get all the shit. I mean, Hanani, I just had him on my show and I conversed with him on Twitter and he's a, he's a smart and, uh, yeah, well, there you go. And, and quite eccentric guy. He'll say some, some trippy things on Twitter that I might not agree with. But, um, the, uh, but as for Larison, and, and this also applies to Hanania is, my my convergence with them on foreign policy represents the fact that the the you know the coalition I'm describing the restrainers does is a left right coalition. It's you know they tend to be realists, but there are conservative realists and progressive realists. Um, it's a welcome development, I think. Um, uh, Coulter was onto that before a lot of people on the right. Just to give her props. Yeah, she called. She called for withdrawing from Afghanistan about a decade ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I mean, anyway. I, you know, Trump was the, you know, the the realization of this impulse in theory. Although he, of course, didn't have the wherewithal to do do much about it as a matter of policy. But. It is sort of pathetic that he was at the last minute trying to pull all our troops out of Afghanistan with about a month to go when it was too late. Well, he tried to get them out of Syria, and he just couldn't couldn't beat the establishment. Um. To be president and nothing more. Poor guy. Uh, okay, well. Um, so uh, the parrot room, we should say. Have we been we talking have, for over an hour? I mean, well over an hour, well over an hour, hour and okay. 10. Okay. The parrot room is at patreon.com slash parrot room where you can support. Uh, what's the adjective before our, our kind of journalism, Mickey? It's just finer journalism everywhere. Um. Or you can support finer journalism everywhere. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, we should invent a name for it. Somewhere between cranky old men and Kvetcher, respected the, statesmen. The Kvetcher, Kvetcher journalism. Um, the, uh, also, 
your newsletter is Kaus Files. Mine is non-zero. Your Twitter handle is Kaus Mickey. Mine right, is Robert I, Writer. I even have some news item newsletter items to write, although I'm probably too lazy to write them. But you can do it. Did you, have you taken your Sudafed already? Yeah, one of them is this Michael really going into this Michael Wolf thing. But um, there are. Well, it sounds like that's your. That is a. Uh, it sounds like that's a space that's open. Yes, it's an um, open niche. Right. Um, anyway, um, that it, I my newsletter is on Substack. True. So, uh, without further ado, should we adjourn to the? Is there anything else we were? No, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. No, I'm. I'll put back on my glasses to give harmonic unity to this session. Symmetry is uh, the key to all great podcasts, Mickey. And if okay. you'll just add that cap, I think okay. we'll have I think, it. I think we should have the parrot make an appearance. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that happened. Okay. I are you going to you put the hat on or? I'm putting the hat on. Okay. Okay. Cool. We, perfect symmetry. We can now adjourn. See you in. Uh, okay. See you in the paragraph. <laughs>